Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings are from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. The Reverend Dr. Leslie Bean is preaching. Her sermon is titled, Being the Hands and Feet of Christ. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a few highlights. This Wednesday, the 7th at 7.30 p.m. on Zoom, we will have a simple service of prayer chants in candlelight in the style of the Taze community. And the following day, the 8th, also at 7.30 p.m. on Zoom, virtual small groups will gather for a time of conversation and spiritual practice. We anticipate our first in-person Sunday worship service being August 29th, To help us ease our way back to in-person worship, throughout the summer we are having in-person small group gatherings, both indoors and outdoors. For those who were unable to join the first prayer and fellowship gathering held in the sanctuary, we will be holding two more for those who are fully vaccinated, one on July 11th and the other on August 15th. If you're interested, send your RSVP to Pastor Veen. Registration is open for the next Companions on the Innerway virtual retreat, which will be August 11th to the 14th. The Reverend Sharon H. Edwards and Carolyn Foster are co-presenting on the Wisdom of Incarnation, Embodied Practices for a Liminal Time. Details are in the written announcements. And now, in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still as you prepare to worship God.
pray. Loving God, you astound us with wisdom, making us wonder, where does this come from? When we get that wisdom is from you, we give you thanks. When we grumble, discounting your truth given to us by others, we pray forgiveness. Make us a people unafraid to be about sharing your love, regardless of the response. And now, in silence, we continue in prayer. Wisdom is the breath of the power of God, a pure emanation of the glory of the Almighty. Through wisdom, all that has separated us is united. Wisdom empowers us to be about what matters, not what doesn't. For God's wisdom embraces all. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, no one is turned away. In Jesus Christ, we are all set free. Yes. Alleluia. Amen.
A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning with the first verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God, we give you thanks for these ancient words. Open our hearts and minds that we might hear your word for us this day. Amen. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
Continuation from the Gospel of Mark Then Jesus went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you, and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Here ends the reading. We as Presbyterian Christians fall squarely into the camp of religious people who believe that God is knowable as a who. We believe that the biblical witness shows us this. First, in God's very being, as a triune God three persons who are so intricately connected, so deeply connected to each other, that they are actually one. An idea that we trip over ourselves when we try to explain it too deeply, but one that shows that there is this deep bond of love that is at the very core of who God is, being in relationship with one another. Then we also see how the Bible speaks to how God wants to be connected to God's creation, most especially to the people within that creation. First with Adam and Eve, then moving into uh, the relationship with Abraham and all the people that come from Abraham's line, most especially the Hebrew people. People who turned away from God repeatedly, and yet God stayed there trying again and again and again to be in relationship with the Hebrew people. Then the biblical witness shows us how Jesus came to embody God and God's love on earth and widened that to be more inclusive than just the Hebrew people, to include Gentiles as they were known, so that the whole of God's creation was included in this desire to be God's people, relational with God. I was surprised to learn in seminary that Christian scientists don't believe God is a who. I had one of my classmates who came to study there for an MDiv who was Christian scientist. And she helped me to understand that they, being scientists, believe that God is a what? That blew me away because it is very core to my understanding of who God is, that God is a who. And I use that language without even understanding that it is making a statement about the the very being of God. 
I still can't get my head around what it means to worship a what God because it is just so key to me to worship a who God. But I guess we could also look at the deists, those early American Christians who believed that God was creator, but God was then separate. So God was not one that wanted to be in relationship. Rather, God created and then set creation in motion and stepped back. Like a watchmaker who creates a watch and then sets it to running and doesn't interfere. For those of us who believe that God is relational, we then expect to feel God present with us because of that relational nature of God. And again, the biblical witness aids us in this understanding. Many of the writers, especially the psalmist, speak to both God's presence and two times when they are feeling God's absence. You wouldn't speak to God's absence if you didn't expect that God would be present. Christian teaching throughout the ages also reinforces this idea, such as St. Ignatius, who came up with the spiritual practice of the examine, where we are asked to sit and examine the day and to see where God was present, where was the Spirit moving, where did we feel that God was with us in and through it. And again, we have an example of John the Cross who spoke to God's absence, feeling that God was not there, the dark night of the soul when God felt far away instead of close by. The experience of God can be manifested in various and wide-ranging ways. There are some that many people talk about, such as going out in nature and just being awed by the beauty of it and the intricacy and the, the, the creative ingenious that is shown there. Many of us are very aware of God's presence when we are taking communion or hearing or maybe singing hymns or religious songs and chants. But because we are all unique individuals, each one of us also experiences God in our own unique ways. So our relation to God gives us an indication of how we are to be as people. One of the very first things that the biblical witness tells us is that God made us in God's image. What that exactly means has been debated since those words were claimed. Is it a physical thing? Some throughout the ages have said that God must be male because God made male first and, and it must be a physical thing to be made in God's image. Is it a psychological thing? Is it a thing that manifests itself in our actions? This is an ontological question, one that gets to the very core of who we are, who we have been made to be. And since it is that kind of question, it cuts us to the bone to think about it. That's why there's been so much debate about what it means to be made in God's image. But as I have said, we have a very good example of what it means to be made in God's image in Jesus. Jesus embodied God on earth. Jesus 
gives us the best idea of what it means to be made in God's image. It was Jesus' way of living, Jesus' way of relating to himself and to others. It was a way of valuing all of creation. Jesus gave us a good example of how to live into being made in God's image. And then he commissioned those who followed him to engage in his very ministry, therefore embodying God and God's love in the same way. Jesus commissioned them to be his hands and feet in the world. And this commissioning extends to us today. We are to embody God's love for all of creation, both human and the natural world. We are to engage in acts of ministry that bring wholeness and healing to all of God's creation. That kind of ministry takes faith, great faith. Faith in who God is, who God has made us to be, and also that God will be with us as we do this ministry and will work through us. Maybe we're like Moses and said, oh, I I could never do that. That's just too big of a thing to ask. And God says to us, like God says to Moses, I will be with you. I will speak through you. I will act through you. One of my favorite quotes comes from St. Teresa of Avila. I use this often in my teaching and in my preaching. This quote says, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ looks compassion into the world. Yours are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which Christ blesses the world. When we are feeling God's absence more than God's presence, I encourage us to look to who God is bringing around us. How has God embodied God's self in the people that are gathering around us who are stepping up alongside us when we are feeling alone or wondering where is God? I also encourage us, if we are feeling that God is absent, to look for ways that we can embody God for others. How do we show up as God's loving hands and feet in the world? When we engage in such acts, God becomes more present to us. We worship a God who loves to be in relationship with all of creation we are encouraged to do so as well. May this be so for you this week and always. We believe in God, who dwells within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in Christ, 
who empowers us to proclaim the truth of God's love to all whom we meet, regardless of the outcome. We believe in Spirit, who bestows us with wisdom and forbearance to work for the transformation of the world. This we believe. Amen.
let us pray. O God, we thank you for the invitation you extend to us, which makes us the body of Christ. What an honor it is to be the vessels through which you touch and bless others. And what a gift, too, that through others you touch and bless us. We are in awe of your life in us and the vocation to which we've been entrusted. In light of this, we pray for all the places where we will find ourselves this week. In homes and neighborhoods, those spaces where we work and rest and play. Help us to live into our calling as the body of Christ. Make us his hands and feet. May we have eyes to see all those people you put before us, seeing them in their humanity, seeing them in their belovedness. When we struggle with this calling, give us grace to be stretched in our capacity to love. When we find freedom in loving others, Help us to thank you for the gift of such a wondrous calling. As we begin to reopen as a society and anticipate the return to some normal patterns, we pray for wisdom not to let go of the good lessons of this past year. For the disruption we experienced which allowed us to live with more stillness and intention, we give you thanks. For the ways our eyes were opened to the suffering of others in this challenging year, we ask for hearts that remain soft. For the surprises you brought to us, waking us up to new longings and new dreams for ourselves and for our world, O God, we boldly pray for more. Thank you for holding this community of 7th Avenue Church. There isn't an inch of our lives that hasn't been known to you and held in your care. We pray for those who are carrying grief today, as well as for those whose spirits are light with anticipation of newness. Be with all of us in the ways that we need. Give us faith to live as those who really have been empowered to incarnate your love. And now in silence, we continue our prayer to you. We ask all this in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Send my, my God and my-
forth as God's loving hands and feet in the world. When we engage in such acts, God becomes more present to us as well. May the God who created you in love, the Christ who embodies God's love for you every day, and the Spirit who pours out God's love on you over and over again, bless you and keep you in all of your comings and goings. Amen. <laughs>